Okay, and we are on for, is it episode six? Episode six, Mass Podcast. All right, so uh, had a better week than last, right? Uh, one and two. Got a win, yeah. Uh, last week I said they could go 0-3 oh or they could go 3-0, and oh, and they ended up at one and two. Yeah, one and two, and uh, I think I think overall a lot of the same. Um, nobody really penetrates. Um, the offense, the offense almost seems strange. How how little we score without Dirk, especially. Uh, do you have any quick fire observations for the week? Well, uh, you gotta like you know through six games. We've seen Harrison Barnes step up and hit the game-tying three to send it to overtime against Indiana and then set two career highs in points with 31 and then 34 the other night. And you can't really ask for much more from a guy that you maxed out. Like, if you compare that to Chandler Parsons when he was here, it's not even close. He hasn't had Dirk on the floor except for one game. And, uh, you know, uh, to your point last week of him being the greatest free agent signing in Mavericks history, I, I think uh, you got to be encouraged by, by those types of results so far. Yeah, I agree. That was my first point, too, is Harrison Barnes is freaking awesome. He's, yeah. he's super athletic. What I really like about him, the more I watch him, there's not a lot of holes in his game. Like with Chandler, we always worried about his defense. With uh, – you know, some of even, like, we're pursuing Nicholas Batum. I mean, he hasn't done much uh, for Charlotte. I, I, I really like how athletic he is, how at worst he's adequate on defense, but he's actually a little above average. Um, his offensive game in just six games has developed tremendously. I like his form. He's got great form on his shot. In that last game against Milwaukee, you could tell they said you need to drive every time you get the ball. Like you could tell there was there was an emphasis on going to the rim, and <laughs> he was so effective at doing it. And he seemed to get more and more confident with each drive, um, which really leads me to my second point, which is who is the antithesis to Harrison Barnes? Again, I don't mean to pick on him. But Wes Matthews, man, when he drives, <laughs> when he when he drives the lane, I'm I literally again I feel like I'm looking at myself. It's it's like he is a three point chucker and he has no business driving at all. And and it's 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 really scary when he he tries to develop his game inside. Um, he's okay posting up. He just he doesn't hit anything. Um, he was three for seventeen in that last game. I mean, this is just—I I don't know what. I'm speechless. <laughs> what is there to make? Of what yeah, yeah, it's really—it's really bizarre how poorly he's shooting the ball and how much he's shooting the ball with as poorly as he's shooting it. So it's not like. Yeah, he was one for six, but to your point, he's three for 17. It's like, yeah, so I think teams are going to continue to leave him open until he starts knocking shots down. Right. The other side of that is, you know, how much of a drop-off is it defensively to Justin Anderson? I would say very little. 
And I would also say offensively, you might be getting a little bit more out of that position if you play Justin Anderson a little more. But I think obviously they're deferring to the veterans right now. And But I think over time, if he continues to shoot poorly, I mean, he's been good defensively, but if he continues to shoot poorly, I think you're going to see his minutes get cut a little bit and probably Anderson in there a little more to, to juice the offense. Yeah, because Anderson's almost the opposite, where he's high energy, he's really good defense, and he's great driving to the lane. Uh, His shooting is a little streaky, but honestly, what our offense needs is penetration. So I think he's a better fit. Um, I can appreciate Wes Matthews' irrational confidence in his shooting, despite how bad he does shoot. But um, I just don't think it's helping this offense much. And if we keep losing, um, you know, it, it's only going to stick out even more, which which leads me to my next point. My next question, this, this might be a good question for all the listeners. What needs to end first and what is more annoying? Uh, Wes Matthews' is bow and arrow after a three-point <laughs> make or okay. Ezekiel Elliott's I want more cereal after every first down he makes or every, really every play he gets the ball. He does his little mm-hmm. crunch and munch thing. Um, what is more annoying? I'm going to say the bow and arrow because he's shooting so poorly. Yeah, I have to agree. If I, I, if I, was, if I was in an NBA game, which would be a disaster, but I threw one up from half court and I was one for 22 and did like a cartwheel, right? It'd be like, why are you celebrating? Like You're the worst player on the court. So it's kind of how I feel about the bow and arrow is it's like, all right, look, man, if you just hit like your seventh three of the game, go ahead and launch the bow and arrow. But at this point, like if you have a bow and arrow, you've killed three spectators and then you just had a bullseye. Like you're not <laughs> – you're not killing it out there where, you know, you're this marksman. Where Ezekiel Elliott, yes, it's annoying that it's after every play, but every play seems like he's picking up 12 to 15 yards. So it's hard to be like, hey, shut up, man. You know, like, do whatever you want if you're putting up yardage like that. I agree. Zeke Elliott's crunch and munch thing is going to get old, but the bow and arrow thing's just got to end. I mean, it's, it's the equivalent of, like, Jet doing his runway thing when we're down 20 and he hits a three. It's like yeah, I, yeah. Jet Jet was a little better at that. I don't think he did that. I don't think he did. <laughs> but um, I don't think he did. Jet would pull it out. There would be times where it was like, okay, just get back on defense. Like, we don't need the Jet right now. But, um, yeah, he mostly – he was a little bit better about pulling that out when uh, just after, like, really big shots. Or early in the game, just to get the crowd going. Yeah, and I think maybe we could just start there with Wes. Maybe he could just pull it back and uh, maybe only use it when we're actually in games. <laughs> right, right. Because, and there's the thing, too, is that he kind of gets a little half-hearted about it, but it's like, and that brings the Mavericks to within 14. It's like, yeah. all right, yeah. Let's, he's just sort of half-heartedly pulling it back, which, that arrow is just going to drop in front of you in that case if you've ever handled a bow and arrow. It's yeah. not going anywhere. You've got you to get some tension in that wire. Yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is pretty rough. And pretty rough. Me, this might be my hot take for the week. Um, okay. Well, 
maybe not. I don't know. But the uh, I watched Andrew Bogut, okay, and I'm not impressed. And then I look at the stat sheet, and he's got 16 boards. Am I the only yeah. one feeling this way? <laughs> no, I said last week I thought he had been playing poorly in the first three games, yet he was averaging 11 rebounds a game. And then, again, the other night, it's like, ooh, he seems a little out of place there. They're, like, everybody's running around, and he seems to be standing in place. And then, oh, there's his 16th rebound. And it was like, wait a second. How did that How did that happen? But, you know, we're not a good rebounding team, and somebody has to get rebounds. And it's like he just seems to be getting the lion's share of the rebounds that the Mavericks are getting. So, I, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, but I'm kind of with you that I don't see him necessarily standing out as, uh, as a great player. Now, to your point about the offense, the offense just really isn't moving much, and he's a little bit better in an offense that has a little bit more flow than what we're showing right now. So maybe when Dirk yeah. comes back and, and things start to open up a little bit, maybe uh, maybe we see a little bit better performance out of him just because he'll have there'll be more for him to do rather than – you know, I feel like we're just kind of standing around, setting screens for Berea and, you know, letting Barnes work one-on-one. I mean, you know, we had 86 points the other night. Barnes had 34 and Berea had 21. Yeah. Like no, I was, I was foreseeing him being more of a facilitator from the top of the key because he really is a good passer. And he had that one backdoor cut to Berea in the last game uh, against Milwaukee that looked really good. But, I thought we'd be seeing five or six of those a game, and we haven't been seeing that at all. And yeah. so um, I think if if the losing continues, which I'm okay with because this is a great, great draft to be uh, in the lottery, um, if the losing continues, I wonder if uh, Bogut and Matthews are uh, on the trading block come uh, All-Star break because – I'm thinking maybe we can get a first for one of them. Maybe. Yeah, um, we got. We actually got a uh, question from a from a listener at uh, hmm. mavspodcast at gmail dot com. So you can nice. Questions or or tweet us at the Mavs Podcast, either one. But okay. we got an email from uh, an old friend of mine, Nam Tran. Okay, went to high school with him. <laughs> All right. And he he titled it the dreaded T word. You know, he said, is it time to start thinking about tanking to try to get a, a top five pick? And I don't know if we need to think about, I guess my answer to that is, I don't know if we need to think about intentionally tanking because I think the losses are just going to be there. Yeah, I <laughs> now, agree. At a certain point, to your, to your point you just made, as those losses pile up, maybe you just say, all right, let's see if we can get an extra first rounder in next year's draft. But I do think that we may just end up in the lottery, and that's not the worst thing in the world for this team because one of the points I wanted to make was uh, the other night you saw Dorian Finney-Smith come off the bench and play 30 minutes and really give the Mavericks a lot of energy on defense. His stats were pretty meager, something like five points, three steals. But it was great. Last year and the past couple of years, you would see minutes like that go to someone like Raymond Felton. Yeah. And Felton would come in and have a great game, and it's like, that's great. He played well. The Mavericks won. 
but what did you really accomplish for the team long term? Like Felton was not going to be a guy that we built around here. Yeah. So no, I agree. I agree. And, and not to say Finney Smith is a guy that we're going to build around, but at least it's a young guy that we could they're they're going to plug in there and they're going to help, you know, they're going to have him develop. So whether it's Finney Smith or whether it's a lot of minutes for Curry down the line or Quincy AC or uh, Brasino or any of these guys that we have on our bench now, I, I think that's what you got to be excited about if you're a Mavericks fan is that those crazy minutes are going to go to guys like that. And this week, you know, we're at L.A. with the Lakers tonight. That's going to be a tough game. And tomorrow night at Golden State, you know, normally the second night of a back-to-back, you see the veterans sit. And that's when you have the Ray Felton show uh, the last yeah. two years. But this year it's going to be, you know, Brasino and, and Quincy AC and some of those guys because we're not beating Golden State in, in, yeah. in Oakland. But it'll be fun to see some of those young guys play a bunch of minutes and, again, just try to try to see what we've got with some of those guys. Well, and I agree. If if Look at it this way. If we were doing an NBA preview and I said, okay, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, their best players are uh, J.J. Barea and Harrison Barnes. Would you project playoffs for that team? <laughs> That's a great way of framing it, yeah. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. I, I You'd I be like, no that. way. There's no way they get in in the Western Conference. And that's that's basically how it's looking. If we're just being honest, those are our two best players we know the team much better. We know that, you know, if this guy does this, if this guy develops into that, things can change. But the truth is, we don't, like, look at the talent on the Lakers starting five versus ours. I mean, their young talent is is just amazing. And it took three years of just terrible um, seasons. And so I'm really okay with this. And I, I, I want to make it clear, I'm the biggest mass homer there is, but uh, right now winning serves no function at all, and so. Um, and they still may win some games. Like oh, they will. Week, yeah, yeah. You got. You, they could beat the Lakers tonight. That's a winnable mm-hmm. game, and um, they might even be competitive against Golden State. I don't think they win that one. Yeah. And then next week they go to New York and to Boston, and, and there's a couple games where it's like, yeah, well, could win, could lose. Who and knows? You know, but I feel like that's going to be every night. For a real Mavs fan, I feel like it's really fun to see the young guys develop and just be excited about young guys. You know, I, I don't – at this point, to me, it feels like a win-win because if we're going to improve our lottery status and see guys like Finney Smith or Justin Anderson get good, that's awesome. So, yeah. We've had I mean, five years of re- reclamation projects kind of run through here, whether it's Monte Ellis or Jose Calderon or Dallas yeah. Bear or whoever. And so it's nice to just say, oh, here's a young guy. He might turn out to be really good. He, he might not. But let's see Powell and Anderson and Curry and Finney Smith and these guys. And All right. If, if one or two of them become serviceable NBA players, then, then this is a good season for us. And if Harrison Barnes emerges as, uh, you know, uh, a number one guy or even a one a guy then then that's great too, yeah, and the way things are looking, I mean, I think if we did get a top five pick and combine him with Barnes and Justin Anderson, I mean you're starting to see a really nice core um that can come together um but anyways, getting back to my other point about Bogut, um 
could there be a trade back to Golden State even if they don't seem to get things working out by midseason, right? Yeah, I, I could see, I could see that. There has I to be see that a team a that signed that was he traded to us or was that was a free agent signing? Or was no, he was trade? he was traded traded for a second round pick. Yeah, so I think there's some rules surrounding when that trade could happen. But I think it, yeah, I think it would be possible. It would be closer to the trade deadline, and if they gave us like a Patrick McCaw, their their second round pick from last year, maybe in like two other seconds. The only issue would be the salary issues, but um, you know, you get in a third team with a trade exception or something, and, and you work it out. I just I feel like Donnie Nelson is probably going to be having a lot of fun this season, just because uh. You know, the scouting is going to be ramped up for whatever pick we get. And then also, if we can try to get another first-rounder somehow, some way, I mean, that, that's only going to help us retool that much quicker, you know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think I think the Bogut trade back, I think you're really seeing a hole in Golden State at that center position because we experienced the year of Zaza last year. And while he works hard, he's, He's just not that good, and he's definitely a step down from Bogut for that offense. So, uh, yeah, I, I could see that as a possibility. Yeah. So, overall, we want to see more minutes for Finney Smith. I think he proved himself last game. And um, I'm interested to see if he'll he'll take some minutes away from Wes Matthews now because uh, what we're seeing from Carlisle at this point I'm wondering what's going on in Carlisle's head. I'm wondering if he's just like, you know what, because he cleared that bench up pretty early in the game against Milwaukee. <laughs> and was yeah. Bettino in in the second quarter? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think he was just like, look, if you guys are going to be stagnant, let's get the young guys in there. And, um, you know, Finney Smith, I think shutting down might be too strong of a word, but he really uh, played great defense on uh, the Greek freak for most of the game. So yeah, yeah, no, completely discover, agree. Yeah, what were you going to say? And with Carlisle, you can imagine look, you're zero and five. Like, yeah. why keep sticking with the guys who got you zero wins? <laughs> like, exactly. there's really no motivation there. So it's like, all right, let's throw something else out there and and see what happens. So I think you'll see the same thing tonight and tomorrow if. You know, in the second quarter, if you're down 15, 20 points, I think you're going to see some guys get in there, which, again, if you're a Mavericks fan, you should be excited about because there's no point in being competitive and losing at the end if you're just going to lose in the end. I agree. I agree. So then, I wouldn't uh, call it tanking. I think it's just let's let's develop your roster. I think that's that's the way to maybe frame that because once Dirk comes back, you're going to be – slightly more competitive and, and you're probably going to be able to pull some of these games out just because offensively you're going to be better and you know you're going to things things will open up at the end of games that that really haven't been open in the close games you've seen so far yeah and my last uh my last point for this week which uh i'm hesitant to share but uh lance <laughs> lance stevenson was officially cut by the pelicans yesterday so um, <laughs> yes I I feel like this is a great opportunity to buy low. I mean, I mean, if we were able to rejuvenate the careers of both Nick Van Exel and uh, Raymond Felton, who were just complete outcasts 
at the time that we got them. I Stevenson is young. I think he's 26 or 27 at the oldest. And yeah, he they, might even be like 25. Like he was yeah. a lot out of high school guy. So so he's, I feel uh, like yeah, he's really young. Yeah, and he's got the athleticism. Uh, he's he's really a Deshaun Stevenson with with more potential. Um, he seemed humbled in interviews down here. Um, he seemed to be playing good. He was averaging actually 10 points a game for the Pelicans. They just cut him because he got this uh, groin injury and it was like indefinite amount of time when he was going to come back. But uh, I would love to see the Mavs pick him up and just, uh, even if it's a deal where, hey, you're not going to play much for a year and, and we're going to develop you like they did with Ray Felton, he can still be a quality rotation player. I, I, I Unless his his locker room presence and his mental issues are that debilitating. I, I, I don't even know. Um, but I will say Carlisle yeah. would have, he would have a direct line with Larry Bird and Indiana, and um, that might be what's keeping them away from him. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great point. Is that Carlisle would would be able to get the inside story on on Lance Stevenson, but from an outsider's perspective, yeah, if he's out there. I think New Orleans. I've read one story that New Orleans wants to bring him back as soon as he's healthy, but they've had so many injuries they had to release somebody to pick somebody up. And, and right. Uh, but right. he, yeah, I think from a skill set standpoint, when he's at his best, you know, which we're now probably you know, a few years removed from, he's really good. The question is, was that sort of a one-time thing in the playoffs that got him his big contract? Is he too much of a head case? Like, you know, you wonder about those things, but those are the same things that were said about, to your point, Nick Van Exel, Raymond Felton was kind of considered a kind of a bad apple, and now he's he's back to thriving in the NBA, and even Monte Ellis. Yeah. No, Monte Ellis was exactly the same. And what I like about this scenario is Stevenson would not even have to start or carry any burden. Like Carlisle would just be like, just practice threes every day, shoot a thousand threes a day, and play defense. Yeah, and that's it. You know, and and that's all we'd need him for. So I'm I'm looking at that over the next week. I, I wonder if our poor performance over the first two weeks of the season might trigger, you know, waiver wire moves like that. Um, I don't see any trades for the first couple months of the year. I, I think they're just going to let everything ride out. So uh, with that said, let's review the schedule really quick for the week. We've got the Lakers tonight, and then Golden State, is it Thursday? No, tomorrow night, back-to-back. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, this is a great week for Darren Williams and Dirk Nowitzki to be injured because yeah, they would have played tonight at L.A., and chances are they would have sat against Golden State the next night. And so really when you think – and then the Mavericks don't play again until Monday night. Okay. So really – So if you think about back. it, yeah, it's really this is back-to-back, and then I think it's Monday night at New York. Uh, like a New York and Boston early next week. But So it's kind of a nice week if you're going to have a couple injuries to some veterans because they really would have only played tonight. And uh, we would have thrown away the Golden State game just because that's not going to win. That's not going to be a win anyway. Well, let's uh, 
let's end the podcast here then with a couple quick uh, quick takes on this, a quick, couple quick predictions on the Golden State game. Um, Harrison Barnes, do you think he chokes against his old team or he uh, he freezes up? What, what's your what would be your guess? Or like he not freezes up, he uh, he lights him up. I think you lights them up. I think uh, what you're going to see, what you saw against Milwaukee, I think you'll see more and more of that we're going to, you know, give him his shots, give him his opportunities. And I think he'll do well uh, against Golden State. They don't have a rim protector. You know, it's, it's going to be Durant in their smaller lineups. You know, I don't think Iguodala is athletic enough anymore to really stick with him. So I think he's going to get his shots. It's just a matter of knocking him down. So I, I think he'll put up a decent number. The question is going to be, the only thing that might slow him down is if we're just down 20 pretty quickly and Carlisle decides to just give some other guys some minutes. Yeah, I, I could still see him playing just his regular rotation. I What I foresee, let's get into the psychology of this team a little bit. Um, Draymond Green, I think I can see Bogut and Barnes like hating Draymond Green. Like loudmouth guy, cost him the finals with that suspension, and then he's recruiting Durant all year, and then uh knowing the all the while that those guys are gone if they get Durant. You know, so I could see into the game, Barnes, you know, Draymond starts jawing at Barnes a little bit. Barnes misses his first few shots. And then uh, Bogut just lets uh, Draymond have it. You know, he, hard foul on Draymond, and then Barnes goes off. That's my prediction, okay? Mm, so Barnes okay. has like a 30-point game, and then Bogut goes after Durant and Bogut. Or Bogut goes after Durant and Draymond with hard foul. Thanks, Draymond. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, do, yeah. Do you see that? We're we're going to be a little frisky in that game. We're going to hang around that one, or do you see it still? Golden State's up thirty-five when all that. Uh, you know, can go either way. Because honestly, like we have no one that can guard Clay Thompson, so he'll probably have like forty points against us. But yeah. um, and I'm I'm fine with that. I think um, I, I'm not going out there for the win. I'd like to see Barnes show well because I think he was uh, he was really. Uh, What's the word? Not mistreated, but uh, you could tell like Golden State held him back in a certain way, and then Draymond was kind of, I'm sure he would get on him in practice and put him down, and it just affected Barnes. So I really want Barnes to do well against them, so just to yeah. show him up a little bit. And I could almost see Steve Kerr wanting Barnes to do well against them too. Like I could see, I could see Kerr like having a, a soft spot for Barnes just because he's a similar type of personality, you know, more professional, not as uh, rambunctious as old Draymond Green. So right. that's my prediction. Right. I can see that. I can see yeah. That. Okay. Any other, uh, any other thoughts on that game? And J.J. Barrea, honestly, is always an annoying opponent for, uh, for people. So I think that'll be uh, – if it does get a little – Hence, you know, Berea will only add to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I could see in that situation someone like Quincy AC coming in and being a little bit of an enforcer. Oh, that's a great point. I would love to see AC against uh, Draymond Green. That would be awesome. Yeah. 
So I can yeah. see, especially second night of a back-to-back, AC gets some minutes and uh, maybe knocks around uh, some Warriors. Yeah, and then bring in Salah Mejri to, to block Kevin Durant's shots, huh? That would be awesome. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Bring back those bad Oklahoma City memories to Durant. Yeah, so really the more I think about this game, the more I think it's definitely going to be a tense uh, game. This is going to be good. It's fun to watch. <laughs> Well, let's hope they get the win tonight against the Lakers, and then that way we can maybe enjoy the Golden State one a little more, knowing we're not, you know, one and six, looking at one and seven. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to predict a two and zero week. Okay. I'm, okay. I think we're get- wow. <laughs> we're going to go back to back. We're going to sweep these two, and uh, uh, we're going to be talking about Dorian Finney-Smith. Is that his name? Did I say that right? <laughs> he is yeah, going to be Dorian. Kenny Smith, he's got a high. He is going to be the defensive revelation by next week uh, as he shuts wow. down. As he uh, shuts, well, I guess shutting down Luol Deng is not a big deal, but uh, Kevin Durant is going to shut him down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slightly, slightly tougher to shut shut down Durant right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we will definitely be talking about how we shut down Luol Deng, but uh, the uh, <laughs> shutting down Kevin Durant is. is this is more the uh, wild card prediction. So uh, I guess until next week, again, if you have yeah. questions, it's uh, mathpodcast at gmail.com or the uh, Twitter handle is at the mathpodcast. Right? That's right, yes. Okay. And we're going to hopefully so, be tweeting and stuff during games. So yeah. a little bit of interaction there as we live go tweets, yeah. Live tweets. Live yeah. tweets. I'm Alf at home, and you are Matt at home. <laughs> That's right. And uh, this is the Matt's Podcast. All right, man. I'll talk to you uh, soon. All right. See ya. Okay, take care. Bye.